Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. What is this actual tool that you can use over and over and over and over again and come back to actually changing your life, not just saying it or talking about it or listening to a podcast, but how is my life different? And that's what I hope to deliver. I kind of knew it like subconsciously, but when I read the words, I was like, oh, this just makes sense that anything I'm afraid of, I should do. You are able to discover what your fear is and then you get to the root of it. And then I give you a step-by-step process to essentially reprogram that or repurpose it. And so when you get to that base fear, you say it's connected to survival. Is it the person sees it and says, oh, actually I've been telling myself that this is dependent upon my survival and it actually isn't. So it dissolves the story around it. It literally can just like dissolve. Our mind is protecting us from something. My favorite question to ask like, what would you rather believe is then you can actually choose that belief. And the thing that most people don't realize is that your mind is actually proving and looking and collecting the evidence to prove whatever belief you have is true. So that's essentially what fear alchemy is, is disproving what is true and remembering what is true, alchemizing your fear, because I believe fear reveals where you're not free. Where do I feel fear? Boom, that's where I'm not free yet. And then I use that to alchemize it to their or remember that I am. Where do you want fear alchemy and the rest of what you're here to do? Where do you see that going? I have this feeling and this vision of waking up and seeing so many people sign up for that. I'm just like bawling. What does that mean when all these people are equipped to free themselves from fear? Ooh, I'm just getting goosebumps, dude. That's the dream. Benny Harris. <laughs> Whereas Peyton says Obi-Wan. That's... I, was, I wore this for her today. Oh, she's going to be so stoked. Just so you guys, because it was like just over a year ago when I met her. I think, was that the same day I met you at Sun Life and then they, they came later? I don't know. I can't remember. But then... It was in the fall though, yeah. Yeah, and then I was wearing this, but I wasn't wearing a shirt underneath. That's right. It was nice out. <laughs> it was. It was a little, a little chilly. But anyway, so I wore <laughs> this in honor of the anniversary. I and, love it. and. She didn't know, but Obi's, Obi-Wan's name is Ben. She didn't know that. I knew that. Yeah, yeah Ben Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Um, I just lost my... Oh, she was me, intending to give a present for Kingston, mm-hmm. but she had to leave this morning to attend a birth. She's a birth doula. So, so even better. Yeah, last night I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm podcasting with Ben tomorrow. She's like, oh, great. Like when we get home, like I've got... I'm sure I've got like a cool little baby something. So that's coming. <laughs> so we, we appreciate we, it. That's, 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 uh, yeah. Coming down the pipe. You're a new father. I am a new father. July 4th. Yes. July 4th. He's, he squeaked. Is that a word? Squeaked in at 1143 PM. Oh, just got in. Just got in to be a freedom baby. Yes. And, uh, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but Dude, how much has your life changed since July? Yeah, it's, I mean, completely transformed, not in the way that I was told it was going to. Meaning, 
is of course, like I remember like people told me all these things, like you're not going to sleep, get ready for like sleepless nights, get ready, essentially just get ready, like to lose your freedom, to not be able to do anything ever again. Essentially just like, like, yes, it's going to be cool. But at the same time, I guess people just like to tell you what will suck. (laughs) Yeah, I'm familiar with that. (laughs) And so like, luckily me and Val, we like to do things differently or at least stay open to different possibilities. And it's been, it's been exactly that. Like we don't, it's, it's actually been, it just feels like us is the best way that I can say it. Like, fortunately we both want it and desire it. And it's something that is fits our personalities and it fits our relationship and family unit. So it's not, it essentially, he just plugged in. There was already a place for him there. And now it just was like, oh yeah, this is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. And it's, you know, we, again, we were talking about this before, but one of the things that we didn't kind of chat about was, I know when we were having kids, you know, Jake is now 19. Um, there's a big emphasis on reading all the baby books and like really um, almost getting very cognitive about it. And I'm not saying that, you know, Peyton relied on that heavily. She very intuitive um, as a, as a person, as a woman, as a mother, I'm guessing you and Belle are are probably done a little bit of research here and there, but really have allowed for like the natural process to take over. That's actually exactly what it's been. It's like, we, stay in tune to what's like quote unquote the smart thing to do like we're always learning and like researching new things and then we say does it fit for us does it work for him honestly yeah it's just been a big intuitive game like it's been really cool like we literally just listen to him and even i'm able to like i know this cry as he's hungry this cry is as tired this you know like he put like He's really comfortable by himself, which I'm appreciative of. Like he just chills and he talks a lot. Now he's just, he's three and a half months. And then he's like, he lets out a certain talk and he's like, I'm done. And then we pick him up and do whatever. Dude. So of course, like there's still like, yeah, he cries and we can't figure it out. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, but it's cause he's, he's still a baby. But for the most part, it's been been pretty smooth, which I'm grateful for. And you're not panicking because it's a different cry or, and I can imagine, you know, back when we were raising kids, there was this big push on sleep training and it was like, ugh. by the time we had hope, it was our third. We were like, fuck that, <laughs> letting him cry it out. And so hope, I want to say slept with us for maybe the first year. Um, and that just felt really good. You know, that she wasn't kind of on her own little island like the boys were to some degree, you know, and letting them soothe themselves. And I'm sure there are ways to to get at that. Um, again, I'm not up on the research today, but I know that it felt way better having hope in our bed. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it just depends and it depends on the kid and like just being, again, like in tune to like what they need and want. And so it's like... Yeah, like it really is just like a, it's a mix. It's a nuanced game. It's not just like this works for every kid, and so do it every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
again, for, for me, when we were having kids, I was in a completely different place than I am today. And I, I love seeing, you know, children being born into a family like you and Belle who've done a lot of your own work. And so that you get to really guide this, this being in a different way. Um, you know, we were chatting about this idea that as parents, you're just trying to survive those years because you're not mm -hmm. sleeping and you're doing a lot of different things that you're, you're not really accustomed to. And when you haven't spent the time to do your own work, that it's just a survival, um, energetic that is being imprinted on the, yeah. on the kid, unfortunately. And I, again, I don't want to go too deep down that rabbit hole because I don't know the imprint with my own kids, but I, I do know that we would do it differently today because we've mm -hmm. just, you know, we, we understand the world much differently. Yeah. And one thing that I've even learned and I expected, but of course you don't know until you do it. And I have words to it now is he is such a great reflection of me in the sense that like any relationship, right, is a mirror. And one thing I've noticed is like when he like just cries and cries and cries, I'm uncomfortable with it. And so that means I'm uncomfortable with crying. I'm uncomfortable with my own emotions. I'm like, ah, that's an opportunity to repair myself. And once I knew that, it's like now been a couple of weeks and it feels so much better to like hold space for him. Because that's really what it is. And I had a journey one time. It was actually a couple months before he was born. And ironically, it was at the end of it. And it was a bunch of our guy friends. And we did hoppy at the end, which is, you know, get grounded, coming to an end. How do you do? But that was actually like, <laughs> it ended up being very, very painful for me. It was the most physical discomfort I've probably ever been in. I was literally like curled up in a ball on the floor, writhing in pain. But what it like essentially was, was me as a kid sobbing and unable to communicate what I'm feeling. And so every time I just come back to that, I'm like, he literally has no ability to regulate his system. And he's looking to me to like hold space and not lose my shit. So then he can feel safe with that. And so I just go back to that, go back to that. Because I obviously don't remember, I consciously don't remember as a baby. But as an adult, I remember sobbing, laying on the floor, like not able to communicate what I'm feeling. So it's like, I can somewhat relate to that now. Yeah. So yeah. yeah I, <clears throat> it's interesting because that's one of the things, you know, my kids much older, you know, it was a couple of years ago. They were, I think the two boys were kind of yelling at each other. We were out on the basketball court and I could feel myself getting dysregulated and elevated. And it occurred to me, I was like, why am I so uncomfortable with this? They can work this out. I don't need to come in and be the arbiter of what's right and wrong. This is part of their experience. And so it was like the first time I was able to step back and say, I actually don't need to do anything except sit with my own discomfort. <laughs> yeah. Which is hard. It was, it was hard, you know, and it's, I don't always do it. Um, but I'm much better at it now than I was before because conflict is such a, an important part of their learning. Um, so just to be able to, as you said, like hold space for them, sorting it out 
and not having to have someone come in and a referee, you know, to a large degree, which I think a lot of parents do. Yeah. And again, I'm not an expert. I'm three and a half months in, <laughs> but it feels good so far. And of course there's going to be new lessons and I'm happy to learn those. And I think that's another thing that's helped us too, is like, is practicing like non-resistance. Just be like, yeah, like just going with it and like surrendering and not trying to like fix it or force anything. Yeah. This is just what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's been maybe the biggest challenge so far? The past two weeks, like what I mentioned of, is he's changed. So like, like before, literally I was able to just like lay him on my chest and he'd fall asleep. Like just easy. And now like he doesn't like laying in the certain ways and he's, he definitely fusses more. So he's just changing his preferences, I guess. And he's having a hard time going to sleep. So like what I mentioned of him, just like, like sobbing for 20 or 30 minutes was really, really hard for me. And then at times, like, of course, I'm losing my thing. Like, what the hell? Like, just go to sleep. Yeah. Like, nothing's wrong. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but that's definitely been the hardest thing and biggest lesson. Which is a great metaphor for, you know, in my 19 years as a parent, like they're always going to change what worked today may not work tomorrow to, yep. to help regulate them. Mm. Yeah. You're learning early brother. <laughs> you're, you're paying attention to it. It's very cool. But one of the, the main things that you're working on right now is, is, your fear alchemy course and the kind of the associated um, things that are going along with that. Uh, Let's unpack that a little bit. What exactly is it? Mm -hmm. How did it come to be? Why is this part of your superpower? (laughs) You know, that's how I've always known you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you asking about it. And it started, someone actually, I think asked me recently, they're like, because on Instagram, my handle is the fear guy. And someone was like, were you always the fear guy? And I laughed just because I'm like, that's such like a silly name. <laughs> and then it's like, I mean, yes, but also no. Like I remember one of the first instance, instances like viscerally I had with fear was in high school. So I'm not sure if you knew this. Did you know I used to do music? Like I used to be no. in a rap group. So I can show you a video after this. Damn. <laughs> but um, so I first got into it in high school. And, and so someone asked me to perform at an assembly. And I'd never done it before. And I remember right when she asked me to perform at it, like I felt just so scared, but so lit up in my body. And I wanted to say no, but the words out of my mouth were, yes, I'll do it. And so that's, just a sneak peek of my relationship with fear of like, yes, I'm terrified, but because I'm terrified, I know I should do it. And for whatever reason, we were talking about human design before we started recording. Like, even if you look at my human design, there's some gifts and channels and things in my chart that actually are more attuned to seeing fear for what it is. Meaning like, I still feel it because I'm human, but it's, like it doesn't like overwhelm or overtake my body. It's like, I'm literally able to see it as like a separate entity. And so for, it's, and then I read a book when I was 19. Do you know the 48 laws of power? I've heard of it. So it's by Robert Green. Yep. And then he rewrote a sequel with the rapper 50 cent and it's called the 50th law. No. <laughs> and so because I was in, I was into hip hop, my friend gave me this book for my 19th birthday. 
And I just fell in love with the concept, which is essentially just the key to 50 cents success is fearlessness. And I kind of knew it like subconsciously, but when I read the words, I was like, oh, this just makes sense that anything I'm afraid of, I should do. And so at that point, I started to do everything I was afraid of. So at that point, at 19, white kid from Salt Lake City, Utah, I entered a rap contest in Brooklyn, New York. Like no business being there. And like, seriously, I was like so scared to do it, but I was excited. And that's how I knew to, like to follow that feeling. Now I know, right? It's like, I know fear is a compass taking me to my next level of expansion. But at that time, I was just like, oh, I got to do it. And so I just kept following that feeling, whether it was in you know, music, whether it was in um, school, whether it was at work, once you know, I started work climbing the corporate ladder and it's just started to pay off. And so, and then eventually in 2020, um, so in 2019, I quit my job and I was a director at a finance company and I quit simply similar reason because I was scared. But when I quit, I literally had no business you, income. And you were scared because you were like cutting off the finances, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the main purpose. And for me, I didn't have, it, it was delusional. <laughs> like I didn't have any business revenue and I didn't have a plan. But fortunately for me, I did have crypto income. Uh, fast forward four months later, after I quit, that crypto income was gone. And I actually lost my investment because it was a scam. Mm -hmm. And so it gave me the courage to take the leap. And then it also, it gave me the perspective to essentially what I say, find my purpose, which was fear because how I operate in the unknown is much different from what I've, what I've observed. Like I feel pretty safe in it and taken care of and trusting. And so you fast forward it into 2019, there's a bunch of synchronistic events that happen. And then like literally right as the same time, the world shuts down to, you know, a pandemic, whatever you want to call it, yeah. <laughs> due to fear. Like literally that's when I rebrand my business. And it was crazy. Like it literally, like I truly believe it happened for me. And then that opened to all these people like wanting to learn about themselves. And so like I signed for clients the first week I didn't realize, like I had such an icky feeling towards coaching, but I didn't realize that I was coaching people for, you know, almost a decade as a manager. But now this is much more helpful. So the long, so that long story, like just brought me to um, 2020. And then over the past two and a half, three years, I've essentially have what I say, been given a grant from the universe. You know how like PhD students get grants to study things. Like I've literally just been able to study fear. Um, and so I've essentially discovered the 10 foundational fears that people deal with. And then, so I put them into the course and then in fear alchemy, the course, um, it's, it's self-guided and it's immersive. You are able to discover what your fear is and then you get to the root of it. And then I give you a step-by-step -step process how to essentially re reprogram that or repurpose it. So walk me through uh, what it may look like for someone who, who signs up. So essentially, so they sign up and then they start tracking their fear. Well, first step is... Yeah, and what does tracking your fear look like? It's literally, so shout out to Boyd. You know, it's like literally 
it's it's similar. Like you follow the signs and it's in the sense that anytime you feel triggered, anytime you feel your system dysregulated, anytime you feel shortness of breath, anytime you feel jealous, anytime you feel angry, anytime you try and over explain yourself, like literally anything that isn't presence or love is deep down fear because at the root is survival, right? So it's really, really simple that how I see it is that fear is at the root of all of our suffering. And so when you literally get to the root, which is survival, then it just quickly like dissolves and you're able to live more freely and more peacefully. And so they literally just start to track when do I feel not at peace or when do I feel triggered? Keep track of that. And then they go through a process of, okay, well, what is this fear? Like what category does it go in? Which 10? And essentially all of the fears are interconnected anyway. Um, They all connect to each other. And then I take them through prompts and I show them what's really cool about the course is it's intuitive, meaning it's not just listen to a dude, talk to, tell you what to do. It's literally following your own process and these fill fill in the blank prompts. So you get your own answer. It's like you're being coached by me, but it's, you know, on your own at a much more accessible price. How hard is it to, to create a course like that? I've, I've never done it myself. So it seems, especially if it's, if it's intuitive. Yeah, that was the most challenging part. So, cause I've coached a lot of people and I'm confident enough that like, no matter who I talk to, I know I can get a breakthrough. Um, but that was the challenge for me and actually the resistance. I was like, well, how do I do it when I'm not there? And so I had essentially the layout when I started building it because I've done it with lots of people. But then it, again, it's like, well, how do I do it if I'm not there? And then that's when I started to, for a month or two, I was just tweaking these prompts. So it helps people get to the root of like, well, why are you actually afraid? And so far we've had results where, you know, people with like five years of therapy didn't actually know the root of the thing. They follow the prompts, they discover the reason, and then I show them how to dissolve it or get rid of it or like what I say, remember. And so when you get to that base fear, is it in, in, in you say it's connected to survival, is it that the, the person sees it and says, oh, actually, I've been telling myself that this is dependent upon my survival and it actually isn't, so it dissolves the story around it? Yes. So that's, yes, your people will understand that. Your listeners, like it literally can just like dissolve because our mind, right, is protecting us from something. So for example, right, of even just like what we're talking about, like with my son, with Kingston is like, I, why do I feel uncomfortable? Why am I triggered when he's crying? Oh, because I was probably told that I am not supposed to cry. Like if I'm anything but positive and happy all the time, then I'm unworthy of love. So my belief was, if I'm not perfect, then I will be abandoned and I won't be loved. So then going through that, well, that's the root then of why I feel uncomfortable, literally, but consciously we don't know that, right? It's like, I just feel uncomfortable. Why am I uncomfortable with this? So I would track that and then I would start to go through the prompts of like, well, why do I feel uncomfortable? Oh, like I'm, I literally am so uncomfortable with this. My fear is trying to protect me because it wants me to be feel safe and loved. And then it's like, well, of course that's not true. Like, of course I can cry. Like I'm still loved. I can show emotion. 
And then at that point, like if you've done some work, it's just like, oh, of course that's not true. And then one of my favorite questions to ask is just, well, what do I want to believe? Like literally, if I am God, which we are. <laughs> yes, sir. Is I just ask, okay, instead of I'm unlovable, what would I rather believe? It's like, I am infinitely lovable. Like no matter what, what I do, like literally I am the physical expression of love. So even if I don't believe it, I'm still loved. And so my favorite question to ask, like, what would you rather believe? Or just what do you want to believe? Is then you can actually choose that belief. And the thing that most people don't realize is that my, your mind is actually proving and looking and collecting the evidence to prove whatever belief you have is true. So if I believe that I'm unworthy or I'm unlovable or I'm incapable, my mind is subconsciously picking up that data to prove it is true. So that's essentially what fear alchemy is, is disproving what is true and remembering what is true. Mm. Alchemizing your fear. Do you recommend people doing this uh, on a daily basis? Like, a, you know, like some people will journal and meditate daily or is it like, how do people generally engage with the course? Yeah, so it's online and I have a fancy guidebook for it. Of course you do. <laughs> that, was, that was a beast to create. Like it's, it's this comprehensive thing where it's, you can print it out or just put it on your computer and just type in the prompts. And I have all the questions on there. I have all the tracking logs. You can literally just have that guidebook and you're good to go. And what about uh, access to you throughout the course and, you know, for any kind of ancillary issues or so we have a telegram community which has actually blown my mind because i'm someone who tends to work by myself because i love my alone time but not everybody is like that and even just that aspect right like that aspect is even me trying to be alone because i feel safer alone so even that is a little bit of fear but it's like community has shown me like what is possible like when you share and have that experience together so even on the way here when I was driving to your house, someone shared like in the community that for the first time in like two decades, I got on a scale. Like I was so terrified because I was made fun of being chubby and fat. Like I finally have the courage to step on a scale because I know that number doesn't define me. So like literally that was just something someone shared. Wow. Yeah. You're doing some important work right now. I like to think so. <laughs> and it feels like you've got, um, you know, especially engaging the community. I know that when I've done a few masterminds, there was so much that came out of just the interaction of the group outside of my kind of, you know, direct involvement. And, you know, probably like you, I would chime in and give my own experience, but would really let that kind of live on its own yeah, and let it guide us wherever we needed to go. Exactly. So like my idea is like, uh, to like have it like, cause it's at first, like part of my work through with it, it was like, I was still using it to like what feel worthy or like my ego needed to control it still. Meaning like I need to know like what, pe what breakthroughs people are having so I can feel good about myself and letting go of it. Like it's not about me. Like it isn't. So this thing came through me. It's, like a child in a way where it's birthed through me, but I don't own it. It's like, I support it, I nourish it, I give it what it needs and it wants to have a life on its own to like thrive. 
So, and, but the purpose of that is like, think how cool the world would be if it had less fear. Mm. Like if everybody felt free, if everybody could pursue their passion, if everyone felt lovable, if literally just like, just that, that freedom feeling and that feeling of peace, like all of that is capable when fear no longer controls you, like when it truly dissolves. And so that is truly the purpose of like, like you can see like fear is at the root of so much control. It's at the fear of like unease. It's like, it's the root of anxiety because anxiety is the expectation or the anticipation of something going wrong, which is your literally your anxiety is fear trying to predict something so you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. it hasn't happened yet. So that's why you feel this heart racing, like fist clenching anxiety. So it's just like, like, this is a big thing and I know it's bigger than me, but I'm so freaking stoked because like, oh man, like I really do just like see it. Like it's, it's still just in its infant stages of what, not just this thing, but like using fear as medicine because I believe fear reveals where you're not free. So it goes back to just that tracking. Like you see, where do I feel fear? Boom, that's where I'm not free yet. So therefore I follow the fear and it shows me where I don't feel safe, where I don't feel loved, where I don't feel free. And then I use that to alchemize it to there or remember that I am. Yeah, I love, well, first of all, I love your awareness um, where the ego kind of comes in and, and what I see is you got to this point of detached caring, which means, doesn't mean you don't care. It's just the way you feel about how the experience is going for everybody else, the out, everybody's outcome um, isn't necessarily important. It's that they're in the process and they're doing whatever they're doing and your happiness, your feeling of uh, worthiness isn't dependent upon them having a particular outcome. It's taken a lot. Yeah. To let go of that. But that, and I think that's something for all of us to, to remember. So, so much of what we're taught is to be outcome driven and we lose a lot. Um, sometimes almost everything in so being focused on something in the potential future that we have no way of predicting, mm-hmm. you know, but some of the, the sentiments you're sharing around fear, showing you where you're not free. It reminds me of um, some of the work of Peter Crone that I've yep. really enjoyed. Yeah. So you've studied some of his work, I take it. He actually, so I was watching, so his first interview with Aubrey, yep. like, I, ooh, I just got chills. Like when I watched that, I was like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah. And like literally watching that, I just, my system downloaded like how he was guiding him and asking questions. I was like, oh, that's what I can do. And him and a guy named Kyle Seast, do you know who Kyle is? I don't. So anyway, but like the way that they've coached and like asked questions and like, so like for whatever reason, something just clicked. But yeah, like, what does Peter say? Like life will reveal the circumstances da, 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 that where you're not free. Yeah. Same thing, right? Is like, well, if I feel anything, like essentially it's fear. Yeah. So he, like, if you're looking at Instagram and something triggers you, it's like, that's good. <laughs> that's like, that's your work right there. Don't stop getting on Instagram for, because of that. Yep. Use it as a tool to move through it. Um, Side note, I had a little hand in Aubrey having the podcast with uh, Peter. Kyle was out in LA and he had posted a picture, Kyle Kingsbury, uh, on Instagram. 
there were like a bunch of people at this party he was at and Peter Crone was there. I was like, dude, <laughs> that guy is fucking awesome. Like introduce, like hook up with him. And so they ended up, uh, he went on Kyle's podcast. And then after that, he went on Aubrey's. Still hasn't been on mine because he, you know, he hasn't been to Austin since then, but we've been working on it. But that that's a guy that I would love to have on the podcast because that is a lot of the work that you're doing as well. It's, it's taking these things that are triggers and using them that there's gold in them. That's literally what it is. So, you know, like, have you ever seen, I'm sure you have, have you, or you've done it yourself, Cal? Like, have you seen those old guys on the beach that with their metal detectors? This is how I view us with our triggers. We're just moseying around life. Just, and then we hear that beep. We hear that trigger. And it's like, so something literally underneath the surface, unconsciously, it beeps, which is that trigger. And it tells us to pay attention to it, which is the gold, which is the treasure. Like, literally, like, like it's not, you know, it's pretty cheesy, but fear alchemy, right? Is like you're turning it into gold because it is some, it's revealing what you desire. Like, if I wasn't afraid of it, I wouldn't care about it. Like back to that music example, like I'm afraid of it because I really, really want to do it. And it scares the hell out of me not to achieve it, to fail at it. You know, so it's the same thing of like, when I feel that beep, when I feel that tension or that trigger, it's like pay attention because that's actually really important for you. Yeah. Beautiful. Now you also do some work. You have a masterclass about quitting your job. Oh, you saw that. Yeah. Talk to me about that because that's a big thing <laughs> yeah. for people, especially the way things have shifted over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think you would agree that there's, there is a, a kind of narrative out there by people who I, I wouldn't necessarily follow their advice. We're like, quit your job and follow your passion. And like, it's that simple and it's just not. So I'm guessing that your masterclass is probably a little bit more involved than that. Yeah. So. When I, so I got out of a business partnership a couple months ago. And when I was re-entering the one-on-one -on -one coaching world, I was like, what is the actual, the actual result and the feeling that people are looking for? Like I used to just say fear to freedom and that's great. And if that resonates with you, like for sure, come on. But like I started to look at the results I was supporting people in and about half of them had left their job which is actually crazy. And I didn't realize that. And it's such an important part of my journey. And like you said, over the past couple of years, like there's so many people waking up to their gifts, to their purpose, to their passion. Like you're not supposed to be just like stuck in this soul sucking thing that you're in. Like I went to the county tax office yesterday. Mm. And <laughs> <laughs> Damn. And like, it's a nice brand new building, but I just, Again, they could be happy with them, with their jobs. But it, like, I was just looking at that and I was like, man, like just this box. And I was like, I'm so happy I don't have to do this every day anymore. So yes, so the masterclass is essentially, so it's five, um, five things you need to know before quitting your job, which is like what I wish I knew. Because when I did it, I literally, and it depends how you learn right? Everyone's different for me, even again, back to human design is like, I'm literally supposed to learn by experiencing is like, I, yes, give me some things in a book, but I want to do the thing. And so for me, it was helpful. Like I've learned on the go, but I wish somebody would have even just said, Hey Ben, don't invest so much into this thing before you know it works. 
like just test the product. Like that's such a basic business thing of like, are people buying it? Are people resonating with it? So just like the, you know, most viable product of just testing, like, does it work? Does it make sense? Are people resonating with it? Um, which I didn't do. I literally quit like having this idea that wasn't making any money. Like for me, I know it happened on purpose because I had to clear out everything. I had to leave everything behind that wasn't working so I could find what would be my thing. Because again, holding on to that comfort or that certainty, you have to let go of what's old. You have to make space for it. And so for me is that unknown place was literally like, not just for me, but everything that we want to create is in the unknown. Like we can't create any something new from what is now because it's old. That's like what we know. So we have to let go and like venture into uh, what feels unsafe or unknown. Where do people get really hung up as you're taking them through a process of, of leaving their, you know, their current job? Yeah. It's mostly money where it's like, it's that stable paycheck. It's like, well, I get paid every two weeks. And I mean, you know, this it's like, and I definitely know this. <laughs> it's like, when you are your own source of income is you could go a month, you could go two months, you could go three months, you could go longer. You know? So it's relieving that stableness or that, that stability or that reliability is terrifying. And so the antidote, the antidote to that, for me, one, one helpful aspect is you are the corporation or the company isn't your um, source of prosperity which like you are, right? Like if you didn't show up to that company, if you didn't have the skills, if you didn't have the expertise, if you didn't have the experience, you wouldn't get paid for that job. So it's the same thing that you will receive abundance or money for on the other side. It's like, it's you. Like, I know it doesn't feel that way because companies are putting money into our bank accounts, but like literally they're doing it because you are the thing that's providing the service. So it's this, you just flip it as like, the same thing will happen, but it's much more fun. It's much more fulfilling when it's something like for me, you know, collecting debt versus helping people free from, free them from their fear. It's a much different feeling, but it, it's terrifying. Yeah. And we'll g- <laughs> give me an example uh, of how you've taken someone through that and what it looks like to, you know, continue with your old job for a period of time, like have one foot in that space and then another foot in the exploring. Yeah. So it's like, it all depends. Like when people ask about money, it's like, the question is like, how much do I need to have saved typically? And like, if you Google it, Google will say like six months, but it's all dependent on you, which I would just say, well, how much do you need to feel safe? Because that's what it is, right? Money, like, yes, we need it to live. But besides when, when all your needs are met, money is now like a feeling of safety or success or importance or power or whatever you associate with that. So it's, well, how much do I need just to feel safe in that or to feel secure? And then from that aspect, it's, yeah, you begin testing. Like if you just don't want to leave, but here's the thing though, Cal, like the truth is that once someone commits to it, the universe will make it happen. I forgot this exact quote, but it's, you know, that nature loves courage or the universe rewards bravery. Meaning like once you decide that this is the thing and you take that leap off the cliff, like you're going to be caught. Meaning it's like, it might not happen in the way that you think it will, Mm -hmm. 
like one person I helped, I supported, she, she came to me and she was like, she wanted to leave her job, but she didn't know how she was going to do it or, you know, like the actual how that's usually how people get stuck. Yeah. Is the how. And what happened though, is all we did was help her with like nervous system regulation and feeling safe and confident in herself and trusting herself. Because what is the quote that like, um, the bird isn't afraid of the branch breaking because it's not relying on the branch. It's relying on its own wings. Mm. Something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm not afraid if I get let go, if I get fired because I trust myself. So that's really what it's about is it's not like, yes, there's a mix of strategy and all that, mm -hmm. but it's really of like, do you trust in yourself? And with this person, ironically, um, because she didn't get vaccinated, they actually let her go. So she was going to be let go no matter what, but working together, she actually got prepared for it. And she was like, oh, like this just naturally happened for me. And now like sweet, I get severance too. And now I get to like work on my business and all the things at the same time. Yeah. It reminds me of the Joe Dispenza, just let go of the, the how and the when. And just, and, and I guess the piece that is missing in that is it create the safety and the trust in your own <laughs> kind of experience. Hey, and so that's <laughs> okay, buddy. It's the first time, I think this is the fourth or fifth podcast. First time he's made a peep, not a boy. We had a little someone going by the window. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit because we were talking about before. So, hey, you know, you got a new kid now. What's a typical day look? Today's pretty busy. <laughs> and I've got this podcast and you have, uh, I know you have a call later and you had something else. You had three things on your schedule and which I appreciated because you said it's a busy day and most people look at you like, dude, what the fuck? Like that's nothing. Yep. And again, it's just a changing people's perspective um, on what kind of owning the calendar looks like. And I was at, I was on a podcast recently and the host asked me, what do you, what's success to you? Mm. And I said, it's owning my calendar. Mm. And, um, you know, I've really been orienting. I thought I had a, a really strong grip on that. Uh, and I realized kind of over the summer that I didn't. And so I've really been intentional about creating that schedule that really supports the life I want to live in that, you know, of my family and the people around me. So I'm curious about what that evolution has been like for you and why it's so important. That's a good question. It's when I was thinking about this the other day, I finally feel like I'm, I've, I love it. And I know this comes up frequently with you unlearned, mm -hmm. <laughs> with, like the corporate way, which like usually when we leave our job, right, is like we will, we will then recreate what we knew because that's what we're familiar with. And so... Yeah, there's a, there's a weird kind of safety in that yeah, familiarity. Yeah, exactly, right? Because it's, well, what do I do with the space? Am I worthy? Am I doing enough? Yeah, like, like literally we associate so much with doing and achieving. So it's like, well, if I have space in my calendar, am I not, you know, doing anything? Am I not climbing and progressing? So it's, I've naturally, the truth is, the funny thing, Kyle, is like, I've always been this way. Even in the corporate world, like, this goes back to like, just how I'm built is like, I would do things differently. Like one boss 
one time got mad at me because I wasn't mad. Like we didn't hit our quarterly number or something like that. And, and you weren't <laughs> yeah, throwing shit. And yeah, he wasn't, he was mad that I wasn't mad. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember, like, I still remember that. Like, that's just so funny to me. Cause I knew I was like, this doesn't matter. Like, like, yes, this matters to the company. And he looked at it like you didn't care. And you're like, you were, you were already in acceptance of it. He's like, yes, the quarter's over. We didn't meet it. Now what am I going to do? Just bitch about it or just we'll work harder or exactly. whatever. And so that's just how I viewed it. And like doing different, like with all, like all my teams, like even if I led like a team of like 150 people, I had a goal of meeting with each employee like once a month just to like, how are you? How's your life? <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of just like get this done. But it's like, so with the schedule, that's one thing I even, I remember like, uh, like I, I'm not sure if it was a department or company-wide thing that I encourage, like, let's remove meetings, which is not something that most people, that's like, what is the purpose of this? And so back to the unlearning ways though, is like, I finally have felt more comfortable and confident and like, oh, this is me. And actually this is what everybody wants. And so if I want to be an example that I need to own it and like truly enjoy it. And ironically, it's kind of, ties into what we've been talking about. And I'm interested to see how you feel about this. And I actually was going to ask you before we started recording, but I guess I wasn't supposed to ask you until now. Yeah. Right. Is like the whole aspect of like, you have a fear of feeling good. Meaning if there's no stress, if there's no conflict, if there's no chaos, if we grew up in, like I can only imagine if someone's on like, the Wall Street Stock Exchange, like four, they are always buzzing. Like, and if they're not, they probably feel unsafe. And even if it's destroying their health or their happiness, that's not what they know. So they will self-sabotage once they feel peace, once they feel space, once they feel happiness, that once they, like, that's part of self-sabotage, right? It's like, once you start to leave that comfort zone, it's like, it'll pull you back to whatever feels comfortable. So that's what I've started to do with my schedules. Like I'm finally really starting to break away and feel comfortable with that. And so that's what I was curious for you too, of like that, like, do you feel, and I kind of asked you about that, like that buzz or that stress too. Like, do you feel like that's been part of it is like, oh, like peacefulness feels wrong in, in, in any way? Yeah, great question. I, I would say there is an element to the adrenaline yeah, of being on the floor that is addictive. Um, and I think that's why so many people, when they leave the trading floor or they leave professional sports, they're searching for something to give them that high. Yes. Uh, I feel like I manage that pretty well, relatively speaking. There's a part of me that still enjoys that. There's a part of me that finds it in other ways, whether it's in engaging in different investments or... Um, you know, in some ways sitting down for a podcast, I get really fired up about that, you know? So that's me kind of tapping into something that's meaningful for me. That's not maybe destructive, <laughs> which is where yeah. it can lead to, right? If you're searching for that, finding that high again, some people literally just go to drugs, you know, and they do it while they're in that job as well. You know, there were, I wouldn't say drugs were rampant on the trading floor. Um, Although I would also assert that 
the guys that I traded within my firm weren't into that. There were guys outside our firm that were, and there were probably a lot more than I was just privy to because I didn't necessarily hang out with them. Didn't know what their kind of the day-to-day kind of, uh, you know, usage was. But I do think it creates a huge void for people. And if they're not okay with that, then it gets into some really self-destructive behavior chasing that high. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I was fortunate to have been brought up in a, in a firm uh, that had great leadership, you know, and I became part of that leadership, but the, the DNA of that firm was a guy named Will Hobart. And that's just not how he, he rolled when he was home. Uh, you know, he really compartmentalized work. And that was a thing that we were doing to make money. And, you know, act in integrity and, and all that and be part of a team. But that wasn't why he was on this earth. He was here to be a part of a family, mm. his own family and this family that he created on the trading floor. And so we are, are always had that kind of ethos within our company. And I think a lot of us were able to carry that on into our families um, and see that trading was great and it was a great means of potential uh, financial resources, but it wasn't why we were on earth. Um, Which is cool because it's, as you can imagine, it's pretty rare in that business to have someone like that. And I was fortunate enough to, to find my way to will. Um, But yeah, I think it's, you know, it's challenging for, for a lot of people. I'll just say men in particular who have been brought up on this idea of productivity and um, having their self-esteem, their worthiness, their um, self-worth tied directly to what they're able to produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are still elements of that for me that I'm that I'm unpacking. Um, it's not maybe as prevalent as it was years ago, uh, but it's it's still there. It's 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 part of my patterning. Uh, and when I look really closely, I can see it. I don't think it's as, uh, problematic as it could be, you know, but there are times when, you know, we were talking about earlier, like how I've been really shifting my time over the past several months because in some way, you know, I got very involved in a lot of the investments I was doing and some other things. And it was pulling me away from the things that are, um, really important to me, particularly my family and relationships. And I know that there's some element of me still trying to prove myself. Yeah. And like me too. Like, and I don't think that's wrong because it's, I think some of that is actually helpful. Agreed. You know, and it's like, but it's obviously if it's completely I don't know, but like speaking from my own experience, like letting go of it more and more is actually, I've seen more quote unquote success happen for whatever reason, Cal. Like I've tried to do things quote unquote, the old, not the old way, like just how, like what we're talking about getting out of, of the stress or the super strategy, either super hard work or the full calendar. I've tried to do it, but it literally, it's, you know, when you go to a webpage and it says like 404 error. Yeah. That's what it yeah. happens for me. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't work. And 
And I've fought that for a long time and I still am, but I'm letting go of it more and more and more of like this new way of like, we can just be ourselves. Like that's enough. And like this offering is, is that like, that's what I hope people find is like, like all you have to do is be you. And it's for me, the learning that I've learned, learning with this is like, even that within myself, like it's medicine for me over and over. Like, like what I mentioned before about like using it to like try and prove something about me of like, like sales goals, for example, right? Like I was like, I need to sell this much by this date, which isn't wrong. Goals are helpful at some point. But interestingly enough, right? Like goal setting can sometimes setting up like disappointment. Yeah. Are you tied to the outcome? Yeah. I'm tied to the outcome instead of now what I'm like, and like, I'm like, I've done the work. This is going to happen exactly the way it needs to happen. I'm going to listen to source and take the inspired action that I'm guided to. So like I am so executed oriented, like I'll take action all day. Like, boom, like give me the rock and I'll go. But it's like, it's like now I'm like, okay, like where can I just listen? And this is funny. I'm using a football analogy, I guess, right? Of like, am I running straight into like a clogged up hole or am I pausing for a second and looking for like the opening where I can run through? So I guess that's what it is more so now of like, okay, I've like, I know I'm ready to take action when needed, but I'm waiting and listening to when that opening is so I can not only help me and my family, but it can be of the greatest service to all. So it's detaching from the outcome and of like, like, you know, God or the universe isn't like, then you better hit, you know, a hundred course sales in the first hour, you know, the first hour or, or it's, you suck. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, there's, so one thing I've started to think is I'm seeing with God's eyes of like, can I see this not from just a limited human perspective, but some like be open to like the bigger plan that I'm not in control of. Yeah. And I love the, I actually love the football analogy because it reminds me of this idea of when we set a goal, sometimes we're just so tunnel visioned on, um, on that goal and we're missing everything that's going on around us in different ways that we can actually get to, a level of achievement um, that not only hits that particular goal, but surpasses it. It opens our aperture up to so many more things. And when we are present, we pick up these things. And when we're present on the football field, instead of just running where I'm supposed to run, you know, if I just pause a little bit, you see the great running backs Mm -hmm. who can just do that. And it's amazing. They have a sense of vision where it's supposed to be. And then intuitively it's like, boom, they bounce it outside, you know, in reverse course. And all of a sudden they've gone for 25 yards or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, I think it's a great analogy for, for, you know, just, you know, having a plan, but not being so wedded to it that we, we lose, you know, the perspective of what is actually happening all, all around us. Yeah. I like how you use the word aperture. I'm not sure if you use that word frequently. <laughs> no, I don't. But just as far as like even like the camera example, right? But that's just cool. Like, because you can literally see it just like open it and widen. I like that. Yeah. It's been a while since you used it. I'm glad I think I used it properly. Thanks for busting it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you, where do you, you know, where do you want fear alchemy and the, the you know, you're the rest of what you're here to do? Where do you see that going? I mean, that's such a good question, right? Is like, because it has to do just with, what we talked about. And yeah. What's your dream for it? Dude. Uh, 
this is a great question is like it's it's a nuanced question because I have the dream where it's like helping thousands like and then it's like well why just thousands why not tens of thousands why not hundreds of thousands why not millions but again letting go of the how of the when so I see like it's so much bigger than just me and it's just it's brand new like this it's an infant in the world so yeah you're still burping it changes <laughs> diapers yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's still spinning. It's not talking back to you yet. (laughs) Wait for that. (laughs) That's funny. So yeah, but then like at the same time is like allowing it to be bigger than just what I see. Um, So I have the football in my arm. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Or maybe not even yet. Maybe maybe we're just stepping on the field, Cal. Maybe I just know there's finally a game. Yeah. And (laughs) I don't know. I don't know a good metaphor to tie that in. You're going through the draft right now and you're (laughs) selecting your team. Yeah. We'll take it even back. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like, yeah, but truly is like, like I have this feeling and this vision of waking up and seeing so many people sign up for that. I'm just like bawling. Yeah. And yes, like the money and the success, like validation, all of that is in that too. But more so I'm just like, holy cow, like what does that mean with when all these people are equipped to free themselves from fear? Ooh, I'm just getting goosebumps, dude. Like that, bro. Like that's the dream. It reminds me of when my website went live and I had podcasts on there. It was, it felt like such a long journey. Started even long before I was going to do a podcast and it like happened and I just was overcome with emotions. Like, Mm. and I had no idea that was going to happen. And it was so cool. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Like just those moments. Yeah. I love that. What is your uh, biggest fear (laughs) around this, you know, this kind of dream? Um, It's definitely like, so specifically with this, because, you know, there's fear that I'm always uncovering or unlayering and there's new levels and layers always revealing themselves. But specifically with this is like it not, not that it doesn't produce results for people, but that it's not as big as I hope it can be. Meaning like not that many people sign up or, but really what that means about me that I've discovered is that like, it's going to require more from me. Meaning more response. Like I'm going to have to require myself to be seen more. That's what my fear is with it is like, then you're going to feel vulnerable because there's going to be so many eyes on it that it's going to be, like that's going to make you feel nervous and vulnerable. So for me is like that f- failure, but really it's actually like a fear of success because then I'll be more seen and have more eyes on me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. <laughs> Not to judge it at all, but I, I, I appreciate that. I want to wrap with this on Instagram. You, um, you used the word magician. I just changed that recently. I was like, oh, that's fun. Yeah, tell me about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, dude. I love it. So, so yeah, on Instagram, you can choose what your occupation is or whatever. And it used to be, I didn't used to have one. And then I had coach. And I was like, no, that's too boring. So I think a week or two, I changed it to magician. (laughs) Because it was like, (laughs) this is just so funny. What's mine? Is mine coach? My thing on Instagram? My label, whatever. I haven't even yeah, looked. Look. Lindsay will check it out. <laughs> yeah. 
But that's the thing is like, it's a label. Yeah. I was like, whatever that means. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I guess we're all choosing our label because we're always choosing everything. But it's for me, it's like, oh, like I am a magician. You know, it's like, like alchemizing or transforming or transmuting that fear. It feels like magic, right? It's like, whoa, like I used to be so afraid of this thing. And now it's actually like motivating me. But like the funny thing about magic, who, what is this quote? Is that magic is the name of science that we don't understand yet. So that's actually not magic. It's just we don't know how to compute it and analyze it yet. Right. Is like, and that's what the true alchemists know. Like if you study a true alchemy when it began, right, is like they're turning base metals into gold, like lead into gold. And back then it seemed like magic, but really it was just chemistry. So that's what I believe the same thing is, is like, it might seem like magic, but it's actually just a simple process that you just have to become aware of and learn. And then you're able to do it over and over again. And that's what I hope people to give the tools, like, not just like knowledge, like, no, like, what is this actual tool that you can use over and over and over and over again and come back to? So you're actually changing your life, not just saying it or talking about it or listening to a podcast, but actually like, how is my life different? And that's what I hope to deliver. Mm, I love that. Yeah. All right. Where can people find the course? Where can they find you? All that good stuff. All the good stuff. So Instagram, the fear guy um, was where you can find the, the magician, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if I haven't changed it by the time you're listening. <laughs> and, um, and then the, or the website is feeling-free.com. And that's where you can find the course. Awesome. Feeling free, baby. I know you like that one. Yes, sir. <laughs> Dude, thanks for coming on. It's been great. Cal, thank you. Like, I deeply, I deeply appreciate it um, on a deep soul heart level. So thank you, brother. Yeah. yeah. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, check out the show notes or head over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events, retreats, and the TGU store. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this with friends who might enjoy our platform. Don't forget to leave that five-star rating and review as it really helps us spread the love and unlearning. You can find me on Instagram at cal.callahan and on YouTube under The Great Unlearn. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon. No, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned.